As parents, we have a natural affection and love for our children. But what's the best way to love them? Well, let's talk about that on this Wisdom 828, where we're dedicated to stamping out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. Hi, I'm Bob Buchanan. There has uh, seeped into the church culture a, quote, new normal with regard to children growing up as Christians. Now, I say new normal because I can only imagine it has not been that way in past generations of believers. And nothing in scripture seems to support the idea that children growing up in a Christian home will graduate from God when they graduate from high school and later on return after they're married and having children of their own. And more church analysts are actually noticing that most who graduate from God don't return to church when they marry or have children. And that's the newest new normal. So the idea that our children will leave the church for a while and then return later isn't an idea found in scripture. Instead, what we find is the opposite expectation. And this is from uh, the Psalms. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast and whose spirit was not faithful to God. That's Psalm 78, verses five through eight. Now our teens and 20-somethings have a, a new view of things relating to God. The church, the study of the scriptures, growing in faith are mostly irrelevant because this generation does not see the connection to these things that matter. More immediate concerns matter to them, self-sufficiency, financial independence, achieving identity. That is not necessarily wrong, they're just primary. Religion is all about the old dependent child that they used to be. Well, our children have grown up breathing the air of the American dream and they expect to pursue that way of life. Breathing this air has its dark side. It may fill their spiritual lungs that allows nothing else in. If they come to feel their soul's desperate need, there's hope. And it's still true, somewhat less than it used to be, that marriage and family responsibilities may bring some evangelicals back to the church for help. However, this return does not mean that genuine conversion has taken place. It does mean that they may have a sense that the American dream is not really answering their soul's need. Now, since content is the controlling framework of uh, the command that we find in, in the scriptures, we can say that loving God is the central idea of Deuteronomy 6, four through nine. When God gave his commandments to his people in the wilderness, he gave it to them in the context of families living together in their unique society. God expected them to obey his commands, no matter how difficult. There was a great deal at stake for God's people in obeying God's commands. Obedience meant the difference between a long and fruitful life in the land. Disobedience meant the curse of exile from the land. So it's not hard to imagine that the next question on their minds might have been, okay, uh, where do we start and, and what do we do? And notice that the new life of this new generation doesn't begin in the law courts or the civil government or in the king's palace. 
The life of the covenant begins in every individual Israelite home. The new life will flow from homes that obey the first commandments to love God with an exclusive devotion of heart, soul, and might, and Jesus then added the whole mind. The command to love God is central to understanding the spiritual formation that goes on within our homes. All the legal stipulations of God's law were filtered through this love relationship. It is fundamental to the covenant that God is not only Israel's king and teacher, he is also their father. God will treat Israel as a father treats a son and expects his son to respond with respect to God's authority, familial loyalty, and childlike obedience. As a good father, God has standards for his children which define their relationship. God says, you are the sons of the Lord your God, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. That's Deuteronomy 14. Out of the Father's tender love and merciful acts, the centrality of the command to love God shapes the kind of relationship that God desires in the family. Therefore, it only makes sense that when we come to verses four through nine in Deuteronomy six, we come first to the family setting. It is in the family that the greatest commandment is taught, learned, and practiced. The divine image of the father-son relationship is not only shapes the nation's response to God, it simultaneously teaches earthly fathers how they are to lead their homes, how they are to relate to their wives, and how they are to train their children. We can see how important it is to have a correct view of God for faith training at home. Here's what that text says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is not only a theological statement, it is also a practical statement for living. The Lord is saying that He is unique. Moses wrote a song about God so that God's people could have a quick way of remembering what He is like. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The Israelites discovered the uniqueness of God when he acted to redeem them from Egypt, an act that inspired love. They learned that when God spoke, there was no one to contradict him and say, no, that's not right. When God promised something, they learned that there was no one who would invalidate that promise, not even Pharaoh, the most powerful leader on earth at the time. When God warned them about something, there was no other place to find refuge except in him. They learned that God was not merely the first among equals, he was the one and only God. He was worthy of all their affection and obedience. Fathers and mothers are to be the primary and contagious carriers of this love and knowledge about God. Parents were to live lives of holy affection for God in front of all their children. Moses said, you shall love God, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Have you noticed that our children catch our manners, our, our ways, and our attitudes? Children are mini-me's reflecting their parents. They receive impressions from their parents like clay. Parents need to remember that their example will be copied by their children. They will seldom learn to love what you despise or ignore or walk in a way that you don't. 
living an authentic Christian life in front of your children ratifies the things that they are taught about God, both in the home and at church. A parent's authentic Christian life makes the gospel truly credible. If your children hear one thing in church, but they see the opposite at home, uh, we communicate to them that God's authority is irrelevant. One pastor said to give, children good, uh, uh, to give children good instruction and a bad example is the same thing as pointing out to them the way to heaven while we take them by the hand and lead them down, uh, down the road to hell. Parents' first obligation to the spiritual formation of their children is to live Christianly, authentically Christian, and growing in the love of God. The word that Moses used for teach can be translated sharpen, the sharpening that he has in mind is the action of sharpening a knife on a wedding stone. It's also used figuratively to mean using words in a cutting way. And that's probably how Moses is thinking here, using words, specifically God's word, to etch his commands into the hearts of your children. It's through words of instruction that God's word is inscribed onto our children. And notice the formal and informal settings for this activity in Deuteronomy 6. First, instruction in God's word is to be diligent. That points us to the formal times of instruction, like during family worship. But there's also informal times, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, or when you rise. If cars were available then, Moses would have said, even in the car. In other words, daily and routinely, systematically, and with regular unpredictability. It is through this means that God brings our children to acknowledge their need for a savior. Our words of instruction in the formal and informal times are like the kindling used to build fires. Over time, this kindling uh, is around their hearts and it receives a spark from the Holy Spirit who fans the flames of love for God. The only thing that will tamp down that fire is parents who don't continue throwing kindling along with good dense logs of biblical truth on that fire. So parents, in order to love your children into the kingdom of God, love God supremely in front of your children. Well, that's all for today. Thanks for watching and thanks to Steve Dion, who is behind the camera, uh, helping to stamp out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. You be of good cheer.